So, here we are. Here we be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back for another episode of Forensics Faces. I'm Kurt. Mm-hmm. I'm Melissa. <laughs> we never do that. I guess we, we always don't. just assume that people know our voices and they know yeah. based on gender assumptions which one of us is which. Kurt is the one that uh, has a lovely, buttery, smooth voice and I am the one that sounds constantly uh, congested. <sighs> I'm also the one who's yawning today. I purposely didn't look at you when I realized what you were doing, so I didn't catch that yawn. <sighs> it's uh, so bad today. The, yeah. The day after daylight savings time struggle is real. And I might be getting sick. I'm not quite sure what's happening with my body, but it is not happy with me. Um, also, the weather it, yesterday was so beautiful and bright, and everyone was in these like great spring moods. And then everyone woke up this morning to the gray rain, and we're like, mm, I'm not so sure about this. Yeah. And then everyone was real crabby. Uh, yeah, the brief glimpses of outside I saw yesterday as I got into and out of my car on the way to rehearsal. <laughs> beautiful. Otherwise, I just crashed so hard yesterday. <laughs> so, again, I think my body is trying to tell me something. Yeah, I only I went outside to, to walk to. my dog. Uh, but yeah, people who like that sort of thing really enjoyed yesterday. I guess it was Congratulations. nice. Congratulations. There were many grill smells outside. Yeah. Roslyn loved it. <laughs> uh, so we had the Sheboygan North tournament this weekend. I was there helping out Heath, who is your former student and now the yep. current coach, uh, along with Caitlin and Tristan, who are new coaches at North this year. And oh, man, was it a weekend. So... For those yeah. who didn't go to the tournament and didn't get my emails, Heath got sick halfway through this week. Like Literally, real sick. Like real sick, like couldn't get out of bed sick. Uh, so I ended up doing some of the work for the tournament remotely. And then I went in on Friday and was there all day with Heath getting stuff ready. And then was there all day Saturday uh, making sure that that the tournament happened and Melissa was there helping and ran urban for me again. Uh, and somehow we made it through the entire day. Yeah, but then I got picked up from the tournament and then immediately went and catered an event. Yes. Because uh, I I can't say no. And I, I had a much more relaxing afternoon. <laughs> I just went back to, I was staying with some friends in town and I went to their house and sat down, had coffee. We went out to dinner and then watched Drag Race. So Where'd you go out to eat? Antoinette's in Plymouth. Ah, yes, yes, yes. They have a killer French onion soup. King, oh, that's your favorite. Congratulations. It is my favorite. And it was really, really delicious. <laughs> so I had some great French onion soup. Um, and I, you know, that, uh, thank goodness for that afternoon coffee because it did actually wake me up. I uh, stole a Dr. Pepper from the judges lounge on my way out and uh, drank that at about uh, 4.45 because I was catering until nine. It's not stealing if it was there for you to take. Hey. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was Sheboygan North. We're not going to dwell on it because when I think about it, it makes me yawn. Moving on to this week's topic. Not that I'm trying to rush things or whatever. Hey. Because <laughs> I'm tired. Um, I, I, how about this, Kurt? You you take a break, and and I'll I'll I'll, I'll, ta- I'll let me let me lift the weight on this one for you. Yeah, I'm just gonna put my head on my hand and 
Okay. I'll my best. If you fall asleep, I'll 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 try to wake you up. If you yeah, without if you, making loud noises. If you hear snoring, just like tap your microphone. That'll that'll, that'll yeah, be right yeah. in my ears. <laughs> uh, so this week's episode, we want to talk about something that the NSDA released last week. They put out their. Uh, unanimous decision to adopt an equity statement for the organization. So this is an effort on the organization's part to put something out, uh, I guess, as sort of a promise to the community, as well as a path to follow towards better inclusion and uh, actually fostering diversity and finding equity amongst both our students and our judges, as well as our coaches. So I'm just going to read it aloud to everyone in case you are not a member of the NSDA and you did not see the tweet or get the newsletter or follow them on Facebook because it was put out on all things. So the National Speech and Debate Association is committed to modeling and fostering diversity, equity, and inclusion for all speech and debate communities. We are continuously transforming our organization to reflect and operationalize the values of equity, integrity, respect, leadership, and service. We will take responsibility. We will heed, learn, and evolve. We will work conscientiously to model and foster an inclusive and equitable speech and debate experience for all. So that's nice. It's very nice. I really like it. I don't understand Uh, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it is a it is something where I am so glad that they are doing this, that we are putting a focus on diversity and inclusion and cultural competency is one of their big things this year, too. But. Like, I should say, I understand all the individual parts, I guess what I don't understand is what it adds up to. And so that's where you've actually done some research today and gone and found supplementary materials to help, to help me make sense of it. Yeah. So let me, let me walk you through, uh, what the NSDA, so they have this thing for the 2019, 2020 season that they're calling their inclusion commitments. So if you go on their website, uh, or actually I read, I got it out of the most recent issue of the rostrum, which is the NSDA, uh, magazine. And you can access that digitally. But so it's these uh, commitments that they're making. So uh, they will update organizational core documents. They'll highlight, continue to refine and promote best practices for diversity, inclusion and equity. They're going to continue to strive for leadership at all levels that represents the diversity of our community. They'll celebrate diversity and diversity and inclusion within the community, uh, provide and promote safe spaces for underrepresented and marginalized groups to meet. And they will continue to strive for an equitable and representative judging pool at the national tournament. In these efforts, NSDA will offer and promote implicit bias and cultural competency training for all speech and debate judges. So, like, cool things. Like, I love the idea of updating their language. We've talked before about one of the first things I did in program assistance was updating a lot of the language in the new coach's handbook to be less gendered and uh, not sexist. Uh, which is great. And they, they have a whole thing about how to, as a tournament host, set up your gender neutral restroom, the signage for it, uh, the ways other coaches go about having it. The fact that a lot of the times it's just in the teacher's lounge or it's in the health room in your administrative section. And you just have to figure out how to get students access to it and inform your custodial staff. And those things are great. Uh, 
But then I feel like we start to say things and then not necessarily know how to follow through with them. So. And I guess my question would be, like, isn't, is that better than like not doing anything at all? Exactly. And it's not like, 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 it, like I would 100% rather us start having these conversations and there are things that the association is putting into practice. One thing that's really cool is these coaching caucuses that they hold, but they only hold them at nationals and they only hold them one day at the national tournament, which is the Sunday of the national tournament when everyone's registering. And some of us are still um, getting there and traveling there. And so... One of the things that people uh, commented on, because they also put out a huge survey that led to the writing of these inclusion commitments and the creation of the equity statement, were that a lot of the resources and in-person things that the association provides for building community only happen at the national level, at the national tournament. That we are really lacking a lot of resources on a state or in the case of NSDA district level. So one of the main reasons that I want to talk about this today is because there has been conversation happening amongst coaches and students about cultural competency in the WFCA. Now, when we talk about cultural competency, for me, it is the idea of being able to walk into a room as a judge, walk into a tournament as a coach, be a student participating in a round, and be able to have empathy for everyone around you. And to walk in being able to acknowledge that everyone is coming in from a different road, going down a different path to end up in that room together, and that they're all going to leave that room going on their separate paths. But while we're inside of that round and we're in that space together, we need to acknowledge that we are all on different levels, all from different walks of life, socioeconomical, uh, all of our different gender representations, sexual orientations, religious backgrounds, it's so different. And so a lot of the standard that forensics is held up to is heteronormative, really whitewashed. And that sucks for our association because we have an incredibly diverse community of students and judging pool. And we, as an association, and I will say this for myself, not on behalf of anyone else who's part of the uh, executive or on any of the committees, we are failing our students in, in a few ways. And one of the big ones is cultural competency. Every coach is going to have a story of a kid who gets a ballot from a judge who just didn't get it and says something really insensitive. We were talking about dress code and how judges are automatically ranking a student down because they aren't wearing a suit. That student's performance gets no credit. It holds no weight with them because they are not standing there in a suit. We have students who are going in and English is their second or third language and they are talking with an accent and it is not a Midwestern English accent. It is the accent that they speak at home and judges are making comments about those accents saying, oh, it'd be great if you could work through your accent more. Or if only your accent wasn't there, you would have more clarity. And that's such a hurtful thing to say to someone. There are other ways to, to 
to get across a point like that. Because well, honestly, I'm, it's probably not their accent. It's just like they have enunciation that they could work towards. But saying like, oh, if only you could get over your accent. Like what a what a rude thing to say to someone where that could be a huge thing that they really like about their about their personality and a huge part of who they are is that aspect of their culture. Well, and sometimes it's, I'll share an example from a couple of weekends ago. I was talking with somebody else who uh, wanted to know if I had commented on their students, uh, certain enunciation issue uh, when I was judging them. And I said, no, because at this point, I'm never sure if that is a physical disability versus something that they could work on and make better. So I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's a speech defect and what is, you know, something that could be improved upon. And so if I'm not certain it's an area where they could improve, I don't put it in the areas to improve. Yeah. And using uh, someone's accent as a reason or, or something that they could improve, it's like, well, no. That's not a justification. That's not right. a justification. They can't, they can't, they're not going to improve their accent. One of the students on my team, when she joined the forensics team, she said she was joining because she wanted to work on her accent and get rid of it. And that made me so sad. And now she's it about is. to graduate and she still has her accent. It's still there, That's but fantastic. she's also an incredibly successful competitor. But you know what that comment also does is it makes it, it makes it the person whose language who who for them English is their second language it puts the onus on them yeah to do the work for to improve understanding and it's like no 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 you can also as the judge as the listener put in some extra work to have a better understanding yeah a lot of cultural competency is about people being uncomfortable and putting and like you said putting that onus on the student performing rather than being able to acknowledge, okay, why am I uncomfortable in this situation? Am I uncomfortable because I exist in my daily life around no one who speaks what we might call Ebonics? Everyone, no one around me speaks relaxed English like that. So I, I'm uncomfortable by it. So therefore I'm going to say that it's a bad thing. And that's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's harmful. Like so much of what's great about forensics for as a judge is getting to go into a space and learn about these different walks of life and these different experiences that these teenagers are having and getting to support their feelings about it and their opinions about it and validate those feelings and opinions. And when we don't do that, we are pushing them away from our activity and when we were trying to, we need to be embracing them. And I like, think that's why, you know, the the choice of, of the word equity, making an equity statement versus making an equality statement uh, is so good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's that we aren't comparing child to child to make sure they're equal. It's that we're looking at who the child is and how, at least who that child is outwardly. There's so many things yeah. we don't know about somebody's life when they walk into a forensics room. Uh, but you can certainly, you, you can usually pick out the foreign exchange students. Yep. You know, you can definitely pick out the black kids or the Asian kids or the Latinx kids versus the white kids. Like you can see when there's a racial difference there. 
Um, you know, and and then appreciating what that student does uh, coming from their own their own truth, as Oprah or RuPaul might say. And it's acknowledging that they, for a lot of them, forensics is a place where they're sort of leaving portions of themselves behind, but also trying to bring them into a room. Like there are students who the only time that they are talking about their sexuality is when they're at a forensics tournament, when they're at competition, when they're with their team. And so when we make a comment about a student having like, well, your your lisp uh, is a little is a little overwhelming and I can't exactly understand you. And it's like that's not necessarily cultural competency, but it's also just something that you as a judge shouldn't comment on. Like there's probably something else that you can say to give an area of improvement that is not talking about their lisp. Mm-hmm. But again, that's, that's the competency part, you know? Because yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of judges who just don't think about it in that yeah. way. And they think they're being helpful by pointing out the lisp or by pointing out that like, oh, I can't relate to this anecdote you used, or I can't relate to the ma- this material you're giving. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And they think they're being helpful because they think they're helping a student meet them where they're at. But that's where the idea of cultural competency comes in. It's like, you got to stop telling people to meet you where you are at. Yep. And incur- you have to be encouraged as the judge to meet the student where they are at, or at the very least, try to find common ground. Yeah, because they're already coming so far. If we're talking about this, like walking and moving metaphor, they're already coming so far just getting up and presenting in front of you. They're already being so vulnerable and they're already putting themselves out there and they're doing so not just because they are driven to, but because they are asking for feedback about it, how they present it, how they address it, how they talk about it. And we're there to provide that feedback. And when people walk in with a certain level of ignorance and believing that that ignorance is educational in some way, that's when we end up with really upset students and really upset coaches. And we can easily avoid that by having conversations like this that are, you know, uncomfy. It's not like the most fun thing to have to talk about. It's not super fun to be like, hey, I am a heteronormative white chick who didn't grow up in privilege, but now exists in a level of privilege. And so there are lots of experiences that I cannot walk, will not walk, but want to understand. And so in order to be able to understand that, I need to be open-minded and also come up with a level of knowledge that isn't fun to obtain. Can I push like, back on one thing? Yeah. No, but go what for do, it. What do you mean by you didn't grow up in privilege? Um, I grew up uh, poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my family did not have access to uh, the financial stability that other kids grew up with. And so there are a lot of parts of my upbringing that are very different from those around me. Like, 
some of my fondest childhood memories are of my parents lighting the candles in our house and like us playing a board game by candlelight. But we were doing that because we they couldn't pay the electric bill and they were waiting for a loan from a family friend or a family member to come through to be able to pay the electric bill or us having like peanut butter and jelly for every meal for four days because we didn't have any extra money for any other type of grocery. And my family no longer exists on that level. Like my, my dad has come so far in his military career. My siblings and I are on our own lives being grownups, but like they're like, my family has never been on a family vacation. The right. first time we went on a family vacation so got- was like, Later on. So like my, like my level of privilege is like, I don't, I've never lived in like financial privilege. Economic privilege. I was, yeah, economic privilege until I was much older. But that doesn't mean you didn't exist in privilege. Yeah. Just like, like there, like I still got to be Because you still got to be a white person. parents were together. Right. And and an English speaker. Like I think of those kids, I mean, in Sheboygan, it was mostly the Hmong kids. And, you know, I would have friends tell me that like when they were kids, they would have to translate for their parents and they would have to translate the racist crap that people would say. Yeah. So that their parents could be, could like talk to the race, you know? So- yeah, I mean, I totally get the economic privilege part, but I, I guess I just wanted to push yeah, back no, a little I, I bit. I definitely still like, have some privilege. You know, like, we all, all of us yeah. who are white, we existed in privilege, whether we thought we did or not. And in fact, yeah. thinking you didn't grow up in privilege is part of being privileged. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, no, and it, it's just, yeah. No, so I, I just appreciate you pushing back that. on that. Because yeah, no, I definitely, I did have privilege. My my parents were together. Um, at least one of them was always working in some way, shape or form. I still, they still found a way to make sure that I was going to school and I was getting regularly educated and it was an emotionally supportive place. So yeah, I had plenty of privilege and like that makes hard for me at times to be like to fully understand and walk. Like I can't walk the same path that a lot of these students, some of my own students have walked, but I am still open-minded to have those discussions with them and learn about them and be able to walk out from the other side of those conversations with a sense of empathy and understanding of it and being able to be supportive of them. Yeah. Cause again, we're meeting them. Gotta meet them. Mm-hmm. Hand gestures. Agreed. But, Agreed. Uh, I am very much looking forward to presenting like you all can hold me to this. I'm saying this on the podcast. I want to put together something like this for our association to hold us accountable. I think that in this case, this statement can mean a lot of different things for the NSDA, but I want the Wisconsin Forensics Coaches Association to have something like this in writing, in our handbook, in our coaching materials, in our judging materials that holds all of us accountable because our kids are really suffering because the generational gap between people who are judging and the students who are competing can be really large. And I think students are feeling that and coaches are feeling that. And we've got to figure out how to, I guess, in the uh, UK sense, mind that gap. And I I do think feedback from other people. And I think, you know, having a policy, having a statement does help to empower people. 
Um, and we, we talk about this on the podcast all the time. I know when I was on the exec board, we talked about it all the time as well. You know, we want to encourage communication between coaches. We want to make sure that if you see some behavior that you think isn't accurate or isn't correct or isn't um, a positive thing for the students, that you you reach out and address it. Um, and so that it's, it's not always about having a policy so that there can be punishment. It's no. so that someone can can have something to point to when they reach out and say, hey, this comment that your judge made made my student uncomfortable or we feel it wasn't fair. Um, and the reason we think it's not fair is because the WFCA or the NSDA has, you know, this equity statement and it doesn't fall within, you know, that, that credo, it doesn't fall within that mission. Um, and so that's, you know, statements, uh, can sometimes feel like they're not enough, but they can also be empowering. Yeah. And it really matters what you do with the statement. And, and, and that's where I think part of what we're talking about today is like, well, we'll see where the NSDA goes with this equity statement. Um, yeah. But if one of the results of the NSDA putting the, out an equity statement is that states will start to do it individually and ours can be one of them, then that's great. Yep. And I'd love to do that. And I also want to acknowledge that Kurt and I having this conversation are two coaches who work in or have worked in a great district that's like well supported. And we we do have students across every sort of spectrum, but there are plenty of coaches who are working in schools with completely different student groups and uh, completely different financial status for both their team and their students. And so I want to hear feedback from people who are working in those environments because I know that it is so different for you than it is for us. And again, I want to I want to go to where you are and I want to talk about those and have those conversations and not just hear about it, but also figure out if there are ways that I can support you, our organization can support you, you know, help each other out. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just want to plug one thing that uh, is one of the things that made me want to talk about this is because I am self-centered at times. I was looking to see what sort of podcasts were out in the world about forensics and speech and debate. And I found an episode of Radiolab. It was published in March uh, 2016, and it's called Debatable. I think I've listened to it three times since I first listened to it like three weeks ago. It is incredible. It is about collegiate debate, yes, but it is this exact conversation of students in this instance taking the reins to show their organization, show their activity where it is failing them and ask them to be better. And I highly recommend it. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you listen to some sort of podcast. So take the time to listen Radio Lab. The episode is called Debatable. It's from March 2016. Go do it. I have cried every time I've listened to it. It's a but great, I'm also it's a great I'm episode. also a fish. So yeah. Anything else that we we should be? What else should we be inclusioning? You know, there's just uh, one little note that you put in your notes here that you didn't touch on, and I think it should be said out loud. Uh, you took the national judging course, and at some point in there, they must have said something along the lines of judges are temporary educators. Yes. Um, I think that's just a really great, you know, four-word way of summing up everything that we ever say about 
about judging and about approaching working with students uh, and giving them feedback in the environment of a forensics tournament. Um, yeah, if we just keep that in mind that we are, we are temporary educators. We are not their teacher. We are not their parents. But for those 60 minutes that you were in the room with those five, six, seven kids, you are their educator. And yep. everything you give them is meant to enhance what they do um, and give them something to think about. Uh, and sometimes that means challenging them uh, in, you know, to think about things they're doing in different ways. Um, it also means encouraging them <laughs> when they're doing something well. Uh, that, you know, the, the only real failure of a judge is to not say anything really. Which, yeah. which still happens. And it's a lesson, you know, it, when it's when you're a brand new judge. I mean, I was sitting at the ballot table this weekend and there were some brand new judges who really didn't seem to understand the importance of comments on ballots. Um, and if you were at the Sheboygan North Tournament and your student got ballots from a certain few judges that I have in my mind, I want you to know that those were the second takes. <laughs> yeah. We did send them back and try to get more out of them. And we know they were still inadequate, but we tried. Yeah. Same here. And there was one judge who walked up on Saturday and saw me and went, oh, you're the stickler, aren't you? And I just proudly flipped my hair and I was like, yes, I am. All right. Let's hope you didn't mess these up. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so we're trying. But also yeah. remember, if you really, if you think that that judge is awful and what they said was inappropriate or lacking, reach out to that coach. They're their employee. Mm-hmm. And, and the coaches, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they want to know. Yep. So they can, so they can make it better. Because a lot of what we're trying to do here is just to make things better yeah so so a final word nsda thank you for for putting out this statement um for moving, for moving the conversation forward um and know that as enthusiastic supporters of forensics and as lifelong members of the organization we're watching what you do next yep and rooting for you to do really well we're but. rooting for you. We're all rooting for you. <laughs> oh, God. Is that a reference to something I don't get? It's a, an America's Next Top Model reference oh. from Tyra Banks. Well. It's fine. Ending the Whatever. show on a reference that I don't get. That sounds about right. Hey. <laughs> all right. So everybody have a good week and we will chat at you next time. Bye. Bye. Forensics Faces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at forensicsfaces.com. You can also find links to all our social media accounts and our online merch store by visiting forensicsfaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. Mm -hmm.